0: From New York City, welcome to Mark to Markets, where we discuss topics related to your money, markets, and issues near and far from personal finance. I'm your host, Mark Penziner. You can always reach me directly at mark.penzener at bernstein.com or call me at 212-969-6655. Today's episode is going to be on sports, but not about who's going to win the Super Bowl or the World Series. I want to get inside the business of sports and not just pro sports, which we'll turn to later on in the show. For now, let's talk about youth sports. A number of the listeners are parents or grandparents, and it wouldn't surprise me if you spend a portion of your weekend watching soccer, going to gymnastics, whatever, to see your families and kids. Youth sports are a big business, and so to learn more about youth sports, I want to introduce you to my good friend Jason Sachs. Jason is the executive vice president of PCA, the Positive Coaching Alliance. Jason, thanks for joining.
1: Mark, thanks for having me.
0: Jay, can you just tell us what PCA does and its mission?
1: Yeah, so Positive Coaching Alliance is a national nonprofit organization. We were founded out at Stanford University back in 1998, uh, so we're about 21 years old. The mission of PCA is to use the youth sports and high school sports landscape to um, really use it as a vehicle to teach character development, um, work with kids, coaches, and parents all around using sports as a vehicle to teach life lessons and things that will stay with them long after their playing days are over.
0: And, and not to do a commercial for PCA, but just to put it in context, this is an organization that y- you can speak to this on, on your boards and committees, have lots of pro athletes and pro coaches, correct?
1: For sure. Our National Advisory Board is made up some of the best coaches, um, folks from academia and research and business, So the likes of Steve Kerr, Brad Stevens, Doc Rivers, Steve Young, Julie Foudy, Summer Sanders. Those of you that are parents or into some psychology research, might know the name, Carol Dweck, around the growth mindset. Um, she's very involved with PCA. So it's a good good makeup of sports, business, research, um, because we are taking things from all of those fields and putting together tangible tools and resources for all those involved in youth sports to make sure we're providing the best possible experience for our kids.
0: Jay, I was thinking about this discussion and what a listener would want to get out of it. So a lot of the listeners are going to be parents or grandparents. So I guess the, t- the the way I'm thinking about it is what should they know about kids in sports? How do they make sure that kids have a positive experience? How have youth sports changed since they were kids? I know there's a lot wrapped up in that, and, and we'll try and cover all of it. But I guess when you, when you sit on panels, what's the first thing you want to tell a parent or grandparent about the youth sports experience and landscape today?
1: So I think youth sports is is probably a lot different than even when you and I were playing. And, and so if you're a parent, grandparent, it's going to look a lot different um, from quote unquote, the good old days, uh, if you want to say that, but youth sports has turned into a, you know, if you, if you read some different articles, a 17 to $20 billion industry, when you look at all the travel programs, different tournaments, all the apparel and equipment and leagues that are based around youth sports. So it really has, turned into big business, which has tended to, to, to lead things to get a little out of control. Um, so I think if you're a parent getting into youth sports and maybe you're a volunteer coach, I think it's trying to always remember like why we're there. What is the point of being there um, as a parent? Why do we want our kids to participate in sports? Like What are the goals that we have for our kids in sports? And we want to make sure that we're focused on the right things. So, Sports, as I mentioned, as I talked about what PCA does, I mean, sports provides a lot of great opportunities to teach kids things that they're going to learn, um, they're going to use in sports, they're going to use in their relationships, they're going to use in school, they're going to use when they get into business. You know, if you talk to people that you work with that are, you know, running running um, teams at big businesses or whatever it might be, they're going to talk about how to bounce back from adversity, how to be a good teammate. They're going to talk about things that they probably look back at their experience playing sports, and they're using those skills in their everyday life. Now, what's happened in youth sports is it become, it's become a win-at-all-cost culture, so parents and coaches are really just focusing on the winning and losing. Uh, parents often think about, well, I want my child to get a scholarship and play professionally, or you know, I don't want to pay for college, so I'm just going to invest all this time and resources and make sure my kids are playing sports year-round, they're playing on so many teams. And they're just, I think if there's a lot of misinformed people out there that um, don't know the right way to go about it. So I think we need to really get back to why do we want our kids to play sports? Because we want them active. We want them to make friends. We want them to learn the sport. It's a great, as we talked about it, sports is a great opportunity for kids to learn things that they might not necessarily be learning right away in school. So I think if us as adults, we need to really focus on, especially when our kids are starting, what do we want this experience to be? And if you're, you know, a parent of a five- or six-year-old, you know, what should that youth sports experience be? If they're practicing three times a week and two games a week, that's probably not the best environment because they're going to get burned out really quickly, they're going to get turned off, and that's the last thing we want. We don't want kids, once they get involved in sports, to drop out because we really want them to stay active. You know, there's so many different things that go into sports, whether it's healthy lifestyle, just some of the life lessons we've talked about, so we really need to focus on making it the best possible experience.
0: You talked about the landscape changing. I want to get into that for a second. I think about a day where high school sports were the be- all end all. and and from what I understand now, it's much more about club and AAU. So for people who don't have children of this age, how has that world changed?
1: Yeah, so it's it's definitely become a spot where you're right. It used to be, hey, you know, being the captain of the you know high school, uh, basketball team or soccer team or football team that was that was what everybody strived to be now there are kids some of the best soccer players um, both you know boys and girls that aren't even going to play on their high school team because they're in a soccer academy or they're in the olympic development program or, or other things like that because people have continue to strive and reach for that, you know, next level and, and really trying to be the best of, in their sports. So I think the landscape has definitely changed because there are a lot of other things happening where um, high school sports isn't the end all be all. You know, college coaches, when they're recruiting, um, they're not just going to high school games. You know, right now we're in the, the middle of summer. There's a ton of basketball, um, you know, tournaments going on where, you know, college coaches are traveling all over the country to see, uh, you know, high school basketball players, Play, you know, they will pay attention to their high school games, obviously, and they're talking to their high school coaches. But a lot of these relationships, and a lot of ways, they're doing, um, you know, doing their research and recruiting is through AAU basketball teams and club teams, and and that's really across all sports. You know, right now um, in New York City, there's a big national youth baseball championship going out on, on Long Island, and it's on TV on CBS Sportsnet. So. These are kids that are, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old. You know, we're coming up on the Little League World Series where for the month of August, you'll see, you know, a lot of Little Leagues on ESPN where kids are playing uh, baseball. It's what we all grew up playing or, you know, being associated with. And now it's on on ESPN. So the game has definitely changed.
0: So you talked about... Uh, like sports academies, and you, you talked about uh, Olympic development or a soccer academy, it makes me think about this notion of a single sports focus for kids. So for those who don't know, yeah. my, my father was a, was a high school phys ed teacher and he coached the baseball team and he would kind of pass his kids off to the basketball team and they'd r- rotate their best kids off to the football team and they kept the kids active playing different sports throughout the year. That feels like a thing of the past where now from, I don't know, age 10, People or children have a single sport focus. Is that healthy?
1: It's not. And it's really a shame. That's one of the biggest problems in youth sports is specialization. Um, and if you talk to a lot of college coaches, they will they will talk about, we want our kids playing multiple sports. You know, because there's a couple different reasons, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you examples. One is the, the physical burnout. So if you're just playing soccer or baseball or basketball or volleyball, you know, 12 months a year think about the fact that you're using the same exact muscles over and over and over again. So you look at all of the, you know, um, Tommy John surgeries in baseball. I mean, I think that comes down to the fact that pitchers that are coming into major leagues now have played so much baseball growing up that it's just that, you know, they're getting worn down quicker and faster. And so that's one, it's the physical, the physical makeup. Secondly, it's the psychological and the mental fatigue of, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-old kids that are every weekend are getting into a car, driving a couple hours, playing, you know, 10 games within three game, three days as part of a travel or elite club uh, team. And after a while, they're just like, hold on, I, I thought this was summer. I thought this was when I was hanging out with my friends and going to the beach and going to camp and those types of things. Instead, I'm going to sports practice, I'm going to tournaments, and I'm losing out on some of my childhood. So I think that's the mental thing. The other thing is, I think the a great thing about playing multiple sports is not only that you, it's the physical, you're using different muscles, you're learning different skills, those often will help you in other sports. You know, you look at um, soccer and Abby Wambach, who was a great, you know, women's team player for the U.S. playing soccer. She was great at heading the ball and she talked about other sports that she played, whether it was volleyball or basketball and how she could, you know, get a rebound or those types of things. Those skills have taught her how to be better in soccer. So I think those are things that we miss out on. And then we we have a relationship with Chris Collins, who is the Northwestern basketball coach and, you know, the son of Doug Collins who coached Michael Jordan. And Chris talks about when he was growing up, he was always the best basketball player on the team, but his parents made sure that he played other sports because they wanted to get him a break from the basketball and, and, you know, start to just take a take a time out but they also wanted him to play baseball he was an okay baseball player and Chris tells a story that he learned how to be you know how he was being treated as a mediocre baseball player on the team and so then that when he went back to bas- basketball where he's the best player he had more empathy for the kids that were on the team because they weren't the best player so it allowed him to be a better teammate and it's like okay if I'm not the best skilled player on the team how can I still contribute and how can I be a better leader and How can I do things? So I think there's so many things to be gained from playing multiple sports. But unfortunately, oftentimes adults will say, if you want to start, you know, when you get to high school or if you want that college scholarship, we need to be playing soccer year round. We need to be, you know, playing the sport year round. And unfortunately, that's not not the case. So
0: you talk about college scholarship. I know people dream about being a professional athlete. We know that's a one in a million. You can probably tell me those numbers. What's the odds of success of getting a college scholarship?
1: So that's that's a whole nother story because you know you think about the fact that so many sports in the NCAA don't even have full scholarships. So you know a lot of the Olympic sports either they are not giving full scholarships, so the, the the entire tuition isn't being covered, or they only have two or three a year to give. So I think that there's this you know um, misperception out there that there's just so much money that's being handed out in scholarships where that's not really the, the case. You know obviously some of the bigger sports like, you know, uh, football and basketball and maybe even lacrosse in some some schools, they have a lot of, you know, scholarships and you get a full ride and there's, you know, many that need to be filled each year. But when it comes to, you know, soccer, baseball, softball, volleyball, some of those programs, track and field, um, you know, those scholarships are, are much less. And so the fact that parents think, well, if, my child is is going to be the best field hockey player out there and they're going to get, you know, a scholarship that might not even cover, you know, the majority of the cost of college. So I think it's also the education for parents on what does it mean to get a college scholarship at what level? And, you know, when you think about great opportunities for kids, it's not just division one, it's division two, division three. And, you know, there could be more academic scholarships available um, for kids at certain levels. So, I think that's something that parents should really start to focus on of, hey, let me get my head around what it means to, you know, what's available out there for my child as a potential college scholarship.
0: I'm the business guy, so I have to think about return on investment. So if I'm spending X amount of dollars on youth sport, and, and this is going to get to the heart of the question, and I'm going to get a return of some portion of scholarship, how much is is a family spending on private coaches, whether it's a pitching coach or a soccer coach or a swim coach, I have to assume these are big cost centers, right? That this this is a big business. And I'm guessing that money that you talked about isn't going to community soccer, recreation. It's going to this high-end, I'm calling it tutoring, but I guess it's private coaching.
1: Yeah. I mean, the short answer is probably too much money is being spent there. And yes, that's what it is. It's private, private coaching. And I think there's, I think, you know, I don't want to come off as somebody that's, you know, basically anti all this stuff. I think there are definitely cases of kids where they are that talented and they have that work ethic and they really can make it to that next level. and They're going to get a college scholarship. And those things are happening. I think the two important things are, is that are those expectations clear? You know, are they on the same page with their parents of, of what they want to do? And really, is is the child the one driving it? And I think that's really Get to the heart of it. Is it the parents that's driving this or is it the the child that's driving it? The child says, you know, if they get home and, you know, every day they're going outside and they just want to continue to practice and they're continuing to get better. And then at that point when they're, you know, in middle school and high school and they really want to focus on more skill development. Okay. Like, listen, if that's how you want to spend your money, I think that's great. But I think there's so many examples of parents that are forcing their child into it or maybe their child's just not ready at that level um, from a skill wise. And they're just putting so much money into it where, you know, they get to, I think it becomes a status thing where parents want to say, well, my child's on this elite travel club or my child's getting, you know, travel uh, or private coaching. um, But their child isn't really, you know, either at the level that they should be for it, or it's something that the child doesn't even want to be doing.
0: So, but to protect the parent, How does the parent know? I I guess two questions. One, the person who's offering the private services is a qualified and or B is actually identifying your child as an outlier athletically, not as just a potential client. Because how how does a parent know? Right. If you if you don't think about this all day, how do you know the person who's talking to you? A can deliver on that coaching and, and B actually believes your kid is talented and it's a worthwhile use of their time.
1: That's what makes this really difficult, right? So there's a lot of, um, you know, when you think about youth sports in general, you think about youth sports coaches, there aren't a ton of requirements for youth sports coaches out there right now. Just even, you know, you locally, um, you know, when your daughter starts to play sports and you're going to bring her to the local youth soccer organization, um, you know, what does that coach have to do to be a coach? that organization now a lot of people are doing background checks now but are they doing any coach training so you don't necessarily know it's crazy to think about it but 40 million kids play youth sports each year and it's the coaches you know would you ever send your child to a a school where that teacher doesn't have the right accreditation or the right training or the degree from a, a college and a degree in education you wouldn't but when with youth sports it's like great they signed up for soccer. This coach is there. That coach might not have any experience. So now when you look at the more elite level or some of these private coaches, there are a ton of people out there trying to make money off of this. It could be somebody that played collegiately, had a cup of coffee in the pro leagues or whatever it might be and says, you know what, I can offer my services. So I think it comes down to research like you would do anything. You know, if you're looking for a financial planner, you know, you're going to try to do the research. You're going to look for referrals. You're going to look for you know what are the things that this person is doing and again i think it goes back to the expectations of what do i want my child to get out of this you know private coaching instruction you know where where, where do we want to be in two months after this and, and is this the right person and, and interview them you know i mean if you're going to put down a couple thousand dollars um, for you know a series of sessions where your son or daughter is going to get some private instruction i think you really want to make sure that you're on the same page with that coach you know there have been plenty of examples where you sign up because you want to be with this coach and then you know three sessions in and there's you know younger coaches that are helping your son or daughter and you're like well hold on I didn't think I was paying for this so I think you really need to do your research and just because it's sports and it's supposed to be fun and it's playing games like there there's a lot of unfortunately there's a lot of you know things that are going out within the youth sports world that I think people need to look out for.
0: I'm thinking of the word due diligence and to think of yeah. having to, to do due diligence on Definitely. my daughter playing soccer at five years old sounds crazy, but I, <laughs> but I guess that's where we are.
1: Well, I mean, hopefully at five years old, I think you're not, but you know, the crazy part is at seven, eight, nine, it's, it's we're not too far off because I think what happens a lot of times is that most kids will start in their local you know, rec soccer program that's, you know, sometimes run by either like a park and rec program or the city or, you know, a a local organization that we all played in growing up. But then what happens is you got to, you know, as you start to develop through that program earlier and earlier now, you're starting to see these travel programs pop up. And the fact that we have championships for eight year olds, you know, national championships for eight, nine years old, then it starts to get a little more serious. So, Your daughter starts to play soccer, she's enjoying it. And then there's this new opportunity where it's like, hey, we can play on a travel team. But if you play on that travel team, do they have a policy where not everybody plays and they're just trying to win games? You might say, okay, that's not the right fit for us because we still want to make sure that we're about player development and my daughter is learning the game and continuing to get better each time. And if she's just going to play on a team, that's going to win a lot of games, but he's not going to play. You know, there's a lot of research around that, that kids would rather um, be on a team that loses than be on a team that wins if they're not playing. So they don't want to necessarily just ride the bench on a winning team. When they're young, they want to play. They want to have fun. So I think we need to make sure that the expectation, again, I keep on saying that word, is, you know, are, am I aligned with the league that my child is going to, where my child is going to play?
0: Two last topics I want to touch on. You talk about the car ride home. So when a parent yeah. or grandparent picks the the child up from soccer, baseball, whatever, that that's a crucial time in in the experience for the child. So talk about that.
1: Yeah, so I think what happens is, you know, as a parent, you've spent an hour, an hour and a half just watching your son or daughter playing a game. And it's, you know, regardless of what age, but, you know, let's take a middle school or high school. You just watch this. you know, they competed. And, and as a parent, all you want is for them to have the back possible. And, and you want to look out for them. And maybe you noticed a couple things that they you know, could do better next time out. So they just got done playing this game. They get in the car, and the first thing parents want to do is they want to pounce. They want to start telling kids all the things that they saw from the stands that they were doing well or, or doing poorly, and they just want to talk about it. And kids are not ready to talk at that point. There was a study done with um, NCAA athletes, and they talked about you know, they asked them, look back at your youth and high school sports playing days, and what was the thing that you disliked the most? And the number one answer was the car ride home. And if you think about it, there have probably been plenty of examples of, of people that are listening to this podcast right now that thought, you know what, I remember, you know, after the game, and one of my parents just started talking about all the things I could have been doing better because we lost this game or the mistakes that I made. and we're, Or even if they want, you know, like, kids just, after all that, kids are ready to move on. They want to go... Let's go out to eat. Let's go grab ice cream. Let's talk about it some other time. And I think the really important thing is that we tell parents to avoid the postgame analysis on the car ride home. And you know what? At a later time, ask permission if the kids want to talk about it. So you can say, hey, when you're ready, if you want to talk more about the game, we can talk about some of the things that I saw that you were doing well or that you can improve on. And you know what? A lot of times a day later that the son or daughter might come back and say, Hey, what, what did you see last night? Like, what are some things that I do? I know I, I know my shot wasn't right, but what did you see? And then it's a much conversation there, much better conversation. They're ready to accept that feedback from you instead of us just trying to pounce on them once they get in the car.
0: All right. Last thing. I was watching real sports, and I'm sure you've gotten a number of questions and conversations yeah, yeah. about this. I don't know. It's a three to six months ago where it was about youth sports, and they talked about Norway as an example of maybe what we should be doing. So, can you summarize that great twenty minute piece? You know, in two minutes about how Norway handles youth sports and and the results they're getting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the great thing is, um, you know, things have just gotten really out of control um, in the U.S., but what Norway is doing, and, and Norway, I think, in the, in the latest winter games, had the most medals of any country, and, you know, it's a small country. and Not a lot really of people. Really necessi- yeah, not a lot of people, not necessarily known for their athletic prowess, but what happened was they have basically said before, before the age of 13, we're not going to rank individual kids. We're not going to have any national championships. Heck, at a lot of our sporting events, youth sports events, we're not going to keep score. We just want the kids there to play and to have fun and to, you know, make sure that they're learning the skills that they want they they want for the for the sport, make sure that they're having fun with their friends, because if they're going to have fun with their friends, you know what they're going to do? They're going to continue to come back. They're going to come here. back, yeah. Exactly. And so as a coach, you know, I always talk to youth sports, and we talk to youth sports coaches about this and say, if you're coaching, you know, T-ball or Little League or youth soccer, and, you know, you're coaching kids that are six, seven, eight years old, your success is going to, are they coming back the next year? Did you provide them with a great experience that they want to continue to play? Cause we, we've all had the case of, I can think of that one coach. You know, I, I have one in my mind of why I stopped playing, playing soccer. You know, it was like, if I had a different coach, I probably would have still played for a couple more years. So I think what Norway is doing is, is great. And one of the things that, you know, we talk about in one of our books and when we do uh, workshops for parents is we talk about this romantic stage with kids, how, you know, they can, I talked earlier, you get home, they just go out in the backyard, they can kick a soccer ball against the wall forever, and they just have so much fun and they love doing it. And that's the romantic stage. We want to try to keep kids there for as long as possible. But what we've started to do is we've started to move, to move them to the technical stage a little too quick. So that's why we have the U7 and U8 National Championship tournaments. And, and you think about it, you know, our kids aren't too far away from being seven years old. And could you imagine them – traveling around the country playing sports and being crowned a national championship. So Norway has done away with all of that and really focused on, okay, have fun. And then, you know what, when we get to the age of 13 or 14, if kids really want to pursue it on their own and they have that skill level, now we'll start to really invest in that skill development. And maybe they start to get into a, you know, more intense program to focus on that sport. But uh, I mean, I think that's what's happened is that it's become this, you know, eye on the prize of a college scholarship or, you know, whatever it might be. And I think a lot of times it becomes the parent either being, you know, misinformed on some things. So it's like, how can we, how can we better educate parents on all those that go? We talked about the college scholarship. We talked about finding the right club for your son or daughter. And it's also as a, as a parent, let's make sure that we're not trying to you know, live vicariously through our kids. You know, our time as a youth sports athlete is over, but as a parent, we play a really important role not only for our child, but for our child's coach and our child's teammates to make sure that it's a really enjoyable experience to make sure that our kids are coming back each year.
0: And, and Jay, if people have listened to this dialogue and want to learn more about PCA or or want to potentially use some of your resources to learn more about being a youth coach or or being a parent of an athlete, uh, tell them how they can learn more.
1: Yeah, so we're we're Positive Coaching Alliance. Our website is positivecoach.org. We have chapters all over the country in many, you know, 18 major metropolitan cities, uh, representatives all over the country. We partner with about 1,200 schools and youth sports organizations, you know, putting on 3,500 live workshops a year. So um, we have a ton of resources online. So if you visit our website at positivecoach.org, or if you follow us on Facebook or Twitter or social media at Positive Coach US, you'll get a ton of resources. Um, and feel free, you know, when you go to the website, you find me, Jason Sachs, Uh, please feel free to reach out and we'll figure out the best way to get you involved or get you some resources for um, your role in the youth sports experience.
0: Jay, this was super informative. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Any questions on this or any other topic, I can be reached at mark.penziner at bernstein.com or call me directly at 212-969-6655. Make sure to like us on iTunes or wherever you catch this podcast and check out previous episodes on the stock market, cannabis, millennials, and many other topics. Until next time, thanks for listening.